It's Wednesday, August 24th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker, from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hanson, and from Motley Fool Pro, Jeff Fisher. Guys, good to see you. Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. Yes, I was going to say, the day after the earthquake, it's really good to see you. <laughs> Not uh, everyone on the West Coast is laughing right now. Exactly. We, yes. There, um, we did, as they should be. We did get a little bit of mockery um, via email and on Twitter for, um, well, you know. Just, hey, at least our state is solvent. <laughs> Yeah, take that, California. Is, it? is DC? <laughs> That's not a state, Jeff. Don't worry about it. Just let the joke. Just let it ride. Virginia's so, running a surplus. Yeah, we're doing fine. As we're soon as we fun. privatize our liquor stores, we're going to be swimming in the money. We will be. Uh, we will get to news from Google and Adidas in a moment, but uh, we should talk briefly about the earthquake because uh, the podcast, which is normally published in, in the late afternoon, was uh, published last night because. We taped our podcast, and then about 15 minutes later, we had our monthly all-staff meeting. And uh, as, as you've known uh, from just seeing the headlines, about 20 minutes later, the earthquake hits. And, uh, Tim, we, we kind of just got the hell out of Dodge at that point. We overreacted, probably, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a community. You know, but it turned into a little bit – there was a little bit of a Woodstock vibe out there after they shut down all the buildings. It was the fire marshal. Yes. Wouldn't let us back Local in. Local fire marshal shut down the building, and so and uh, necessitated beer consumption. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we we got to give a shout out to our intrepid producer Matt Greer, who um, produced and published the podcast last night from his home. So uh, so hey, I, we know the podcast was late, but it, it, you know, it, at least you got it. That's at, right. All right, let's move on to the news that Google has agreed to pay $500 million to settle a Justice Department investigation into allegations that Google improperly accepted ads from online Canadian pharmacies that import prescription drugs into the U.S. Jeff, shares of Google essentially flat today. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, is that just because Google has so much cash on hand that $500 million is is just a blip on the radar for them? It looks like a pretty straightforward case. They're they're forfeiting this five hundred million, which represents revenue that it earned from these ads over several years. And Google has nine billion in annual net income, billions in free cash flow. So although it's a, a significant amount, it's not enough to change the long term trajectory of the business by any means. Tim, what did you think of this? Yeah, Google had already reserved for this, so people knew it was coming. I think that's why the stock's not reacting. What caught my attention is, that, I mean, the, the fine, $500 million for a big company or not, is, is a lot of money, and I was shocked that it's only $50 million less than what Goldman Sachs got fined for yeah. that little little abacus transaction where yeah. they uh, created a horrible security and then, and then knowingly peddled it on unsuspecting investors. That seems a little more malicious than, than me, and maybe more than $50 million worth of malicious, but, you know... Apparently, the SEC is a little easier on people than the Department of Justice. Yeah, uh, because back in 2000... Which, which is going to come out at the next SEC DOJ softball game. It's going to be a lot of trash talking. <laughs> you think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, get your tickets early. Uh, yeah, because back in 2007, uh, Google, Microsoft, and Yahoo um, paid a combined $31.5 million to settle you know, what, what seemed to be sort of in a similar situation uh, with the Justice Department over ads from illegal gambling sites. Uh, Bill Barker, you're you're a former SEC official, um, and sometimes gambling, and, <laughs> and one time lawyer, and maybe Canadian drug importer. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we can't prove one <laughs> no way or the comment. other. Um, what did you make of this story? 
You know, I thought the amount of the fine, I agree with Tim, it was very surprising. It's nice to see uh, DOJ uh, bringing the hammer down on somebody for, uh, you know, illegal activities. And I hope that they do extend it uh, to Wall Street, uh, to uh, things which are more knowingly and, and intentionally, uh, if not uh, strictly illegal, at least unethical. Well, and, you know, Let's just you know continue the rampant speculation uh, as we've come to do here on Market Foolery. Uh, one of the stories uh, from earlier in the week is that Lloyd Blankfein, uh, the CEO of uh, Goldman Sachs, is lawyering up, as they say. Um, so you've you know you've got the 550 million uh, fine from last year that you mentioned, Tim. Now we've got this 500 million, you know, with Google. Do, you know, do you guys expect that? the um, the price that Wall Street banks are going to be paying in the future is going to be more significant? I mean, Tim, you, you're comparing these two and saying, you know what, it seems like the, you know, what Google did, you know. Well, cynically speaking, I, I, no, I, I don't expect that to go up, mostly because Google hasn't infiltrated our government quite the same way that Wall Street banks have, you know, and I think it's indicative of, of the lack of, of uh, both oversight and also, uh, you know, punishment that, you know, that, that the people who regulate Wall Street are, are friendly with the people who run Wall Street. Um, and that is what it is. I suppose, you know, that if they brought the fines down hard enough on Wall Street, the Fed could always just loan them another $1.2 <laughs> under the table so that they'd be able to pay these fines, you know. But it would make us all feel better if we were seeing some, some headlines so about real fines. Just keep having the circular secret loan program from the exactly. Fed? Exactly. Why well, you got to say lawyer up? Why, why not just say he's exercising his constitutional <laughs> rights? You're being a little sensitive. Is that because you're a lawyer? <laughs> I'm just I'm just hoping he'll hire me next. You know, I think there's a lot of money in that. Case I think for, that's for, actually kind of a, a cool image. If someone is lawyering up, I just sort of get this. You know, this image of them just you know, like in the action movies where there's the scene where the hero, you know, he's pushed too far and he starts strapping on all his guns. I just picture Lloyd Blankfein just walking into a room and hiring up just a dozen lawyers. You know, most of those are interns, just in suits. <laughs> But it looks good. You're right. It's a great image. Um, all right. Before we get to our last story about Adidas, um, uh, Jeff, as we mentioned earlier in the week, Motley Fool Pro, uh, the service that you run, uh, has reopened for this week, uh, uh, really for the only time this year, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, just give us a few seconds on Motley Fool Pro. Motley Fool Pro, it's a, a long, mostly long, but long, short, and hedged portfolio using stocks, options, ETFs. That aims to make steady, recurring profits year by year with less volatility, less risk than the market overall. We're about three years old now. We have a good track record. We're looking forward much more to the next three years. And in that vein, The Motley Fool has offered has made an offer to new members that is pretty extraordinary. You can subscribe now for three years, and at any point in those three years, if you don't wish to stick with it, you can get a full refund. For more information on that, you can get a free report on how to profit from the one sure thing for the second half of 2011. You can get the free report by going to surething.fool.com. And the sure thing, guys, refers to volatility. Uh, it does not refer to the fact that we never have earthquakes in Virginia, because apparently that's a fairy tale. Uh, all right, our final story. Earlier today, Adidas unveiled its first barefoot training shoe. It will hit the market in the United States in November. It is priced at $90. Tim Hansen, you've been known to buy athletic shoes. You, you're going to go down to the Pacers and pick up a pair? 
I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm 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 torn on this as a concept. It, although it is one of those this whole experience of these free barefoot running shoes has, has really just goes to show how fast sort of fads turn into trends, turn mm-hmm. into like big business. I know our friends at Pacers, which is a local uh, running chain store, said that sales of these barefoot shoes have gone from 1% of their revenue last year to 9% of their sales this year, which is an unbelievable increase. And it's now apparently a $750 million industry uh, led by Nike Free, which has about 65% of the market share. But people might actually know better the Vibram Five Finger shoes just because they look so bizarre, which are the the little shoes that coddle each one of your toes individually. And they have about um, 10% of the market Allegedly, these things can help make you, you stronger as a, train, as a runner if you use them sort of as a training tool. Um, anecdotally, people have been using them too often and running too far in them, thereby causing themselves more injuries than they otherwise would. I don't know what the truth is. Um, <laughs> we, I don't own a pair. A couple of our colleagues, Seth Jason and uh, Alex Pape, who are, who are both marathon runners. Are bearish on the, on the concept. I mean, we do have technology for a reason. We're not going back to not cooking our food. <laughs> um, probably going to hear hear about that. I think Seth compared people who own these shoes to gold bugs. Yeah. Now we're going to hear from both the people who own the shoes and the gold bugs. They're both going to be insulted. All and those Jim- emails should go to Seth Jason. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Radio at fool.com. By all means, drop us an email. We love hearing from our listeners. Tim, you had a final oh, point? Uh, you know, but Adidas is just looking to replace in the United States. So they, they want to grow faster in the United States. They see this as a category for growth. And they're looking for a replacement, I think, to the Reebok Easy Tone, mm-hmm. which was their you know sort of last fitness shoe turned fad turned trend. That's going to die off, and they need something to replace it. That's why I think they're looking at this segment of the market. But for investors looking at Adidas, you're like this is probably seen as a positive, or yeah, you know they're looking. They have three goals over the next uh, few years. You know, one is Russia, one is China, and one is the U.S. Obviously, each one of those markets calls for a differentiated product mix. Mm-hmm. They're going to take share from Nike in the U.S. Uh, from Nike in the U.S. It means going after where they're strong, which is obviously Adidas already really has soccer, so that means basketball and running. And, and, you know, here's evidence of them going after and doing just that. Tim, you're wearing flip-flops right now, so you're nearly barefoot. Yeah, I, I, I walk around. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I do walk around in, in flip-flops for some of the same reasons people run in the five-toe shoes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's – the, the argument is if you can feel injuries happening, you're less likely to push, in, push through them and get them. Yep. Um, you know, if so, we if we buy you a pair of these, will you wear them for a I'll week? Get, and, and absolutely. Tell us? Wait, wait, right. wait. What do you mean we? That's like, a no brainer. <laughs> free shoes, Jeff. It's what I've always dreamed of. <laughs> Comes out market, of the enormous market foolery, uh, we'll market foolery budget, doesn't it? Uh, Bill Barker, you're a tennis guy. Anyone on the tennis court season? Why, why do you say that with such disdain? What's wrong? There's no disdain. No, you you are a tennis guy. Yes, I am. So, I mean, is this is this something that you look at and go, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take these out on the court sometime? No, no. I, I although anybody, I think I would wear them uh, for the the running, which I do. It, it's is about a hundred yards max. <laughs> so I think they're up to that task. But for for tennis, where you need a lot of lateral support and you're you're cutting and, and twisting. It's, I, I assume that these shoes are something that, that it, it handles the, the straight line running a lot better than you know something that you would wear on a basketball court. That would be correct. They have, they have little to no ankle support from yeah. what I know. So in terms of footwear in general? Do you have, you have to wear footwear while playing tennis. Yes. Well, right. You so can't go. barefoot just doesn't work. Do you, you have, have to wear the required uniform. <laughs> I wear the required uniform. <laughs> Nice, a breakfast club <laughs> reference. <laughs> I like it. Tim Hansen going old school. Uh, overrated footwear? Bill Barker, I'll start with you. 
Uh, overrated footwear, I'm going to have to say, is anything that appeared in the uh, HBO series Sex in the City. I believe absolutely any brand that appeared there is is overrated. Would your wife agree with that? No, which is <laughs> the problem, of course, you know, is that some of these brands show up in, in her uh, closet at a price which is incomprehensible to, to some of us. But you're fine. We've already established that your wife doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> you're fine. She knows my feelings you've, on shoes. You've, yeah. you've, you've said far worse. Uh, Tim Hansen, overrated footwear? Tuxedo shoes. I mean, is there a point? Mm. You wear them once a year at most. They hurt your feet. They're too shiny. I say just wear regular black shoes. I'm going slipper. Just I think slippers are overrated. Wow, I take the opposite on that. I really? couldn't get through winter without slippers. No, you just they. I've I've yet to see the slipper that actually achieves the balance of 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 heat and cold. It just seems like every pair of slippers just. You, I got I got to recommend at the risk of of throwing out another endorsement of a product, which I'm uh, on a roll for this week. Go for it. The UGG slipper. You know UGGs. People think of it as the Those, trendy women's fashion boot. Yeah. Or girls. Yeah. <laughs> they make a heck of a sheepskin slipper. And it regulates temperature very well. Does it really? I recommend them. You own a pair. Oh, yeah. I'm loyal to them. Do you own multiple pairs? It's no, 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 no. Just one. But they, Do they, they have heels be, on them? Be, no. <laughs> I'm just asking. I don't know. I have a nice tennis shoes, Bill. <laughs> we'll just wrap up there. Bill Barker <laughs> from Motley Fool Asset Management, Tim Hansen from Motley Fool Global Gains, and Jeff Fisher from Motley Fool Pro. Guys, thanks for being here. Always. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Next time.